Blog Talk Radio. All we say to America is be true to what you're saying on paper. I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country. Maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over that. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so that's as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around. We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, and you might have a question in your mind tonight is, why is the opening featuring Dr. Martin Luther King? Because there was once in this country that we thought justice was somewhere, and the battle for justice continues today. Tonight we take a look at a corrupt federal judge, Christine Arguello, in Denver, Colorado, an officer of the court, really, by the name of Patrice Collins have conspired. A word being tossed around these days a lot is collusion, colluding. It is our belief that Federal Judge Christine Arguello, as well as this uh, officer of the court, has crossed so many lines of law. We're going to uncover that tonight and expose that corruption, along with the lies upon lies upon lies by who I call the modern-day Benedict Arnold, Gary Walker, one who has did done anything and everything to get free from a jail cell and at what cost a lot of lying and a lot of slandering going on we're going to deal with all these issues tonight folks hang in there we take off right now 
there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Cliff Stewart, Lisa Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and William Williams, and the entire AJC radio team. And uh, I'll tell you what, folks, this is something that needs to be discussed. The IRP6, known now as the IRP5, as a result of one, really, one who deflected, if you will, Gary Walker, actually put in a request for a habeas hearing with Judge Aguayo, who sentenced him 7 to 11 years, and the RP 5 are these men, David Banks, David Sapolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, and Clinton Stewart. And I'll tell you what, folks, the egregious behavior, the acts of federal judge Aguayo, the acts of an attorney who has taken upon herself, Patrice Collins, to slander Pastor Rose Banks of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, I'll tell you what, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, William, as we begin to uncover the actions, the conduct. And not only did that, that stop there, they went after a, another attorney by the name of Gwen Lawson, who's joining us in studio tonight, and you're going to hear from her, uh, where Judge Aguayo filed a frivolous complaint against Ms. Lawson. And uh, we said a couple of weeks ago, uh, it yielded nothing and really was found to have no merit at all. But yet you find an attorney at Collins and Collins, and to be exact, Patrice Collins, writing a, a response, if you will, of why information needed to be kept sealed uh, in, in that hearing, uh, and stated that Mr. Walker feared for his life from members of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church to include Pastor Rose Bank. Uh, we're going to deal with all of those lies tonight, William. It, it, look, we're just scratching the surface here. This is going to get pretty thick. Yeah, it's going to get real thick. I mean, the depth of this is, is insane when you think about it, and we're going to peel it back. This is going to be a great show, but we have to deal with the lies. We have to uncover the lies and how this system is allowed to operate with people like Judge Arguello, you know, sitting on the bench and manipulating people's lives and allowing just lies to be perpetuated and continue to go on and on, and there's no, there's no true justice. This person is sitting on the judge, sitting on the bench, and steering people in the direction they want to go, taking control of people's lives, and break. You know, it's it's insane. It's but you know we're going to get into it more. And we're definitely going to deal with that. Another couple of things that uh, we're addressing here uh, is is something simple that you have Patrice Collins writing in that opinion or in that response, re- accusing Pastor Banks of uh, coercing the conduct and things that, uh, have, that have actually gone on. Uh, so we're going to deal with the misconduct of this judge. That's going to be the key of it. Uh, misconduct is unacceptable. When I listen, AJC Radio has no problem honoring judges for doing their job. Uh, we have started a series uh, called Judges of Integrity, uh, judges that really honor really their oath that they took, uh, and uh, we, we're getting ready for another show. We had one last month. The show was so productive. So please make no mistake about it. Uh, we're not, we're not uh, really uh, calling all judges. We got some great judges out there that do a, a, some great things, and we need to make that clear tonight. This is simply an isolated incident, uh, an incident that has gone to such a level of, I believe, and I don't know what they have as far as judge misconduct. They have prosecution uh, misconduct. Uh, but this is conduct of the system, the criminal justice system, the conduct 
uh, is something that needs to be taken a look at. And we're going to deal with that uh, definitely, and we, uh, we look forward um, uh, to, to these things that we need to deal with. Uh, in this case with uh, Judge Arguello, one point we need to make is that due process was not done. Uh, a fair trial was not given. Uh, that is in the hands of the judge, how the judge conducts her, his or her court, uh, the ground rules that are laid at the beginning, uh, the fairness of what's allowed and then what's not allowed. Those are all of those things that have to be done. Judge Arguello failed to do that. We believe, William, without question, had the expert witness even been allowed to testify in that trial, then our B6 may not have ever been convicted. It would have been a totally different outcome. It would so, been a completely different outcome. If, so, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please. No, no, go ahead. So, so what you're looking at is the, the, the ground rules, and, and they say all the time that a judge in a, in a courtroom is really the referee uh, that oversees, makes sure things are done correctly, makes sure that it's fair on both sides, and that simply did not happen uh, in this case, Cliff, uh, and we've been, we've been, I mean, up with this, we've been dealing with this tonight. We feel a need to address the issues. And as the lies continue, as the abuse of habeas happened, and then you have Collins and Collins, Patricia, Patrice Collins, calling uh, Pastor Banks, saying she coerced, basically accusing her of wrongdoing. That is slander without ever talking uh, to, uh, to Pastor Banks. Judge Aguil has never talked to Pastor Banks. Uh, we got two psychologists, we're going to bring them up here shortly, uh, that was actually involved and made decisions uh, in that habeas hearing, if you want to call it that, it really wasn't that, uh, and formed conclusions without ever talking to the, one of the main people that have been pointed at, Pastor Rose Banks, and you formed a conclusion that she must have done this or must have done that. How does a judge, how does a judge allow that type of conduct in the courtroom? It cannot be. It's something that cannot be allowed, Cliff. And the story goes on and on. We may definitely have to do another show uh, on this because the information is overwhelming. and It's a lot of information we got to get to. Right. And, and I mean, you look at from the from the beginning of the IRP Solutions trial when uh, the defendants did not get a, a fair trial from Judge Arguello in the first place. I mean, uh, if you look back, you look at the court documents, how uh, they had witnesses that were not allowed to testify, mainly their expert witness, Andrew Alberelli, who uh, was going to lay out exactly um, what happened and what happens in the industry, how that IRP Solutions did nothing out of the ordinary. Those were the type of uh, evidentiary uh, issues that Judge Arguello did not allow uh, during the case. Uh, also allowing the prosecutor to be in touch with uh, with witnesses for the defense, which, I mean, you're, you're talking about witness tampering, so definitely not a fair trial in the first place. Then to come back and allow, like you said, uh, Lamont, Gary Walker to open up this habeas uh, claim, which, I mean, for the listening audience, we, we've talked to several members of um, that are lawyers, uh, that are uh you know, former prosecutors, former judges. And when you get a habeas hearing, there's only two ways to get it. Either there's new evidence that came forward uh, after the after the trial was finished, or there is a constitutional change that gives you the right to have a habeas hearing. Neither one of those things happened in this situation. So the, the first issue is how was the habeas uh, granted? Well, how was it granted in the first place? 
that is uh, where the issue begins. And then the things that happened during those hearings, the ones that were closed, the, the one that was sealed, those are the issues that, that, that uh, we say, hey, this is, this is um, you know, words, words cannot be spoken on just what has gone on in this situation. And we want to take Judge uh, Christine Arguello to task on how she allowed these things to happen in her courtroom and say that, you know, uh, that there has been a fair uh, judicial process that went on. We don't see it that way. Well, absolutely right. And we're going to deal with the issue. This is a major issue we have to look at. Gary Walker makes the statement that he fears for his life. You said, Mr. Walker said um, in Colorado Springs Fellowship, close to 30 years. There is not one police report. There is not one harassment claim. There is not anything, no paper trail of any kind to support the, the response from Judge Arguello when she responded in regards to keeping that those proceedings sealed. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, the only reason I'm going to have something sealed is if I got something to hide. What went on in those, in those proceedings that is so important for Judge Arguello to keep sealed? What was said at those hearings, we had one day uh, where, where I, we actually had a representative in the courtroom, uh, but there were other days that it, that it was uh, that, that we were actually looking to get those uh, proceedings unsealed. What happened there? We know, based upon the one day our representative was in the courtroom, that it was completely chaos. And it was a complete slander fest of Pastor Banks. Uh, and I'm just curious to know, how does a federal judge sit on the bench and form a conclusion that I must do this because Gary Walker must be protected? Him and those disgruntled church members fear basically bodily harm. There's nothing to support that. For a judge to do his or her job, you have to verify facts. You don't, you can, you don't have the right for your uh, set of facts being what they are, making up a set of facts. They're not facts here. No, and that's why you have two sides that are allowed to represent themselves Absolutely. in the court. And the, and, the, and the judge is sitting there should be fair and impartial. But this is not the case. You allowed the one side, one view, to present some kind of just a bunch of lies on a person that the judge doesn't know, nor the people knew. So it's, you're sitting here taking one, for, one group's tainted opinion of someone, and then this continues to go on and on in, into the, the Walker situation, and, and it just blows up even more. So now Mr. Walker is allowed to, to leave and, and, and basically just pin the rest of it on the guy. No, 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 absolutely right. That's something we definitely have to pay attention to. We're going to get into all of that, folks, uh, here on the other side of this break. Uh, and we're going to actually hear from uh, notable people uh, that uh, uh, actually have commented uh, on the IRP6 case. Uh, they're now known as the IRP5. And uh, we're going to deal, you're going to hear words from Gary Walker making a strong case of innocence, which I'll tell you, folks, was the truth. Until he just got tired of sitting in federal prison and the devil made me do it, defense came into play. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio exposing misconduct in the judicial system. Judge Christine Aguayo, and we're going to deal with Patrice Collins, officer of the court. We'll be right back. 
Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Don't add her to the chain. It was just a joke. We're not friends. Why are you talking to me? You started it. So gross. Lame. Loser. Weirdo. I've said and done things before that I'm not proud of. Just as I've been hurt by others. The thing is, this, this is not who I am. And it's definitely not who I want to be. I don't want to be cruel. I don't want to spread gossip. I don't want to be a body shaver. I don't want to exclude anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel lonely. Left out. Hurt. We have the power to be more. We can create a kinder world. It's not that hard. We just need to stop. Take a moment and consider others before we speak. And before we act. Be more. Be more. Be more. Say goodbye to affordability and say hello to losing control. Discover Price Gougesol, the latest outrageously expensive drug from Big Pharma. It's impossible to afford and reverses the ability to pay other bills. Because drug companies raise prices to pay for commercials like this one, side effects may include overdrawn bank accounts, bad credit scores, higher health care costs, children who don't get Christmas presents, and in some cases, the need to stop taking your medicine. If you experience any of these side effects, contact your financial advisor right away. Out-of-control drug costs are no joke. Yet nine of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend more on advertising than research and development. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit csrxp.org. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org.
You're on your way to meet up with friends, but you can't seem to get anywhere quickly. You don't want your friends to be annoyed, so you text. You're on your way. Five seconds is the average time your eyes are off the road while texting while driving. Make sure you get where you're going. How may I help you? My husband and I just got in a fight, and he hit me. With one call, you don't have to be a victim anymore. These fights are getting worse. I don't know what to do. With one call, you can end the cycle of violence. We're glad you called. The first thing we want to do is to ensure your safety. With one call, you can change everything. To speak to a domestic abuse victim advocate, contact your local family advocacy program. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563. Odds of an injury from shaving, 1 in 6,585. Odds of tripping while texting, 1 in 10. Odds of getting cancer in your lifetime, 1 in 2 men, 1 in 3 women. It's up to us to change the odds for our generation. For the ones we love. For our future. If you don't like the odds, stand up. Stand up to cancer. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen of America. This is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight is no exception. And I'll tell you right now, folks, what we got to deal with tonight is problems within our criminal justice system. And why are people simply not trusting of our system? Uh, It is conduct. uh, I know in the military, Dennis, they say conduct unbecoming. And uh, uh, is it an officer or how does that, what's the exact terminology on that? No, I mean, you said it right. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be an officer to, you know, have conduct unbecoming. It could be uh, senior leadership or anything like that uh, that can make that happen. But, yeah, I mean, that's the word. I mean, when any time that there's conduct 
that shouldn't take place, that's considered conduct unbecoming. And, of course, in this case, I'm becoming a judge. Oh, I'm becoming a judge. I mean, so, yeah, it's, I mean, you, you hit it right on the nose. Well, let's deal with this. And I want to I want to deal with a, a few things here, if we can, um, that I think are critically important. Uh, and that is, I don't think people really understand the impact uh, and the abuse of power that can be that can be that can actually come from the bench. Uh, it is huge because the power that comes with that bench changes lives in a very serious way. I think those are things we have to deal with, um, and I think I think that's why I believe the conduct of Judge Arguello is so egregious. Uh, six guys were locked up Five remained locked up As she simply set one free Because the, the, Gary Walker decided to go into court And put on a circus And wanted to say things That were blatantly untrue And that is A high level I mean there are levels in, of, of people that tell untruths The lies that have been told here Is Uncomprehendable that you say that in 30 years, 35 years, Pastor Banks has been here in Colorado Springs. There's never been anything levied against her or the church for threats or actions of violence. Where you, when you make a statement, Mr. Walker is in fear of his life. That is a, that is a huge exaggeration. In 35 years, I can guarantee you, and it's like in any corporation or any church, you're going to have a lot of people come and go. It's just a revolving door. The people that are going to stay will stay. The people that want to leave will leave. And most folks will be disgruntled upon leaving. Whether you're talking about a corporation, how many, I mean, how many companies are set up for security for ex-employees that may come back with a grudge or a gun these days right. and try to put vengeance on people? Uh, that's critically important to, that we deal with that. And I think that's to put, to me, it's, a, it's an offense. And it's a it's a really a disservice to the church, uh, who you know Pastor Banks's reputation is above reproach in this community, uh, in the, in the 35 years she has pastored here, and not one time over those years has she ever uh, told anyone to result to violence because somebody decided to leave the church. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. And why uh, Patrice uh, Collins would say such a thing, along with Judge Arguello. And you have not one time talked to Pastor Faith. Not one time. That's true. Don't even know her. And I think those are things that we will address tonight, uh, along with what, why Gary Walker continues to lie, to maybe to, to deal with the fact of the stuff he's done. Uh, I, don't know how he, I don't know how you go to sleep at night. 30 years. It took you 30 years to realize, oh, all of a sudden I had an awakening? What did you see in the 29 years you were there, Mr. Walker? You saw, you saw a pastor that cared, that reached out, that did everything she could to teach the right thing and to do the right thing. And because in some way you want to cover up your deceit and lies that you did in those proceedings, and you made it clear we need this sealed immediately. If you're telling the truth and you're confident in what you're doing, why do I have to seal anything? It, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So we're going to deal with those issues and uh, in studio with us tonight is Gwen Lawson. But we're going to get to a few things first, Gwen, before we come to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having uh, me. You're welcome. And, and Gwen suffered a, a complaint, really harassment is what I call it, by Judge Christina Arguello 
They filed a frivolous complaint, accused her of being a thief, of doing misconduct in the courtroom. Um, those are things that, how do you do that to an officer of the court? Again, no evidence. And then, exactly. and, and Gwen, in your case, you were able to find, uh, through that investigation, through them looking into the claims made by Judge Aguayo, uh it had no, it came to the conclusion there was no merit at all. That is correct. Of any of those uh, accusations that they made against you. It's good you, you, you decided. What, what brought, tell me clearly, uh, you had to feel a need to, in some way as an attorney, I'm not going to sit back and just let you uh, ruin my reputation and grab my name through the mud as an attorney and an officer of the court. That is correct. Um, I have done nothing wrong. Um, she was a, a, a upset at me because at one time there was a class before some new attorneys, and I asked her about the issues involving the case that dealt with sentencing. And so uh, as out of retaliation, she filed a complaint against me saying, uh, making false accusations, and she also stated that I, um, she even stated in her uh, complaint that she didn't have proof, um, her exact words, or I suspect, although I have no proof that despite my explicit directions, that she asked me to turn off a recording, my my phone, which I did, Mm -hmm. uh, follow her instructions immediately, and she, she, like I said, she acknowledged that she didn't have any proof, and they investigated me. Um, the conclusion came back on May 11th from the attorney regulation, Colorado attorney regulation, that um, the matter was dismissed. Um, nothing was, a- they weren't able to determine that I violated any of the rules of professional conduct. They also, the person who filed the complaint against me was a David Paul Hirsch, who I had never heard of before, but he was, he's an officer over the United States District Court where she originally filed her complaint on July 31st. He filed a complaint with the Attorney Regulation Committee um, with the same exact accusations that um, allegedly I took a notebook from the court um, intentionally um, to use it and recorded the the resentencing hearing and provided it to you, Mr. Banks, and also um, that I um, that I'm a, I have an allegiance to Pastor Banks, which I do. Uh, she's my pastor in the ministry. There's nothing wrong with that. There are several attorneys over this across the country that have uh, allegiance to their ministry as, as dealing um, with their faith. Look. And not to interrupt you, we're going to get sure. back to some of that. Okay. Uh, allegiance is a strong word, mm-hmm. but it's used in a negative way right? Uh, on behalf of the court. Um, but we're going to hear from Pastor Banks. Uh, Cliff, I believe she's on the line. Is that right? Yes, we have uh, Pastor Banks that wants to uh, chime in about this situation. And, uh, Pastor, you are live. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, I want to. I want to be sure that I say something in reference to Gary Wall, as that he told. At times, uh, you really can't hardly wrap your mind around those lies. I, he said one time when we were visiting at the prison, if the appellate court doesn't uh, uh, doesn't come down in their favor, he's leaving that prison one way or the other. Um, little did we know that he would become one of our main uh, people, a part of our family, and been here in the family for 29 years. 
Uh, I feel so for those other guys, but they're getting ready to come home here shortly. But I feel so for the other guys due to the fact they work so hard with him, trying to help him to get the thing that he, he thought would be good for law enforcement. They worked, and a lot of people worked very hard for you at the end of the day, throw these guys under the bus. He said they committed crimes. He knew better than that. We Okay, is she still there? Pastor Banks, uh, it looks like there's a uh, issue with the uh, micro uh, with the phone. Uh, I would ask that she call in on the landline. Uh, that way, we don't have any disruption in the call. Uh, if she, if you can do that. Did you hear that, Miss? Okay. Uh, Pastor? Yeah, we'll call oh. in on landline. Okay, we'll wait for your call back. All right, folks, Pastor Banks chiming in. We're going to hear exactly. We, we will not let a word go unheard of her position uh, as she addresses uh, Mr. Walker, uh, those issues. Uh, Cliff, is, as you heard her, is beginning to get into this. A um, lot of, lot of, lot of uh, disappointment, shock uh, here uh, in regards to all that has gone on, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, you're going to hear from Gary Walker, the man that uh, uh, was appointed to the Air Force Academy by President Ronald Reagan, uh, uh, and as well as a, a graduate of college. Uh, he's talking vehemently of his innocence, vehemently that he did not do anything wrong. And, and then we go with Pastor Banks, what, what was stated, made the statement. I'm getting out of here one way or the other. Whether I win my appeal or not, I'm walking out this prison. Thus, the premeditated actions and steps taken to make, to make his way out of prison, uh, that, is, that is a big deal. Yes. And, and um, Mr. Banks, I wanted to uh, define what a habeas corpus is. It's an unlawful detention and, um, or unlawful imprisonment. And I, they're very rarely granted, and Judge Arguello granted a, a, a habeas corpus evidentiary hearing for Mr. Walker. Nothing um, showed that he was unlawfully uh, detained. Of course, we do show that he was innocent, and uh, we still believe that fact. But nothing in the habeas, he even pleaded guilty um, at the habeas resentencing hearing. So um, I'm trying to understand how his sentence was reduced and the other gentleman's sentences weren't reduced. No, um, we're going to address that okay. uh, because the judge uh, set the scale, set the perimeters of sentencing based upon position in company. If you make the statement then that, in which he did, you've done sufficient time. It's sufficient. If that be the case, and he's the he he's the CEO of the company. Why do the other five remain? Exactly. Doesn't make sense. Uh, it's unfair. Uh, and we're going to address those issues tonight, folks. Uh, this is something that is is very uh, personal. Some it's emotional. A lot of people, a lot of lives affected here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think William, that's why we address. That we do not need an abuse of power in our criminal justice system. 
it, the ramifications, the repercussions that come after that are too, are too large, are yeah. too big. Uh, you're talking about people going away for years. When we talked about that, we talked about it on the show, talked about the ramifications of when, what happens when wrongful conviction takes place. Families are broken up unnecessarily. And there's years and years of time spent apart. Um, you know, children, what they're having to face because of a loved one, a parent being sent away, the other parent having to shoulder both burdens. Um, then there's the, the, the social aspects, the ridicule, you know, people, friends fall apart. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a domino effect, and they can never lose that, you know, that stigma, that stain of being wrongfully convicted. It's, it's always seen um, in when, the, when people look at them, it's like, well, you know, you were convicted of this. And it, no matter how many times they say, you know, I was wrongfully convicted, they can't get their lives back. They can't build, rebuild those bridges. It, it's, it's terrible. And we've, we've lived it. We've lived it here for about six years. And uh, when you talk about this, we talk about this situation. One of the things I want to add to this, you know, when we talk about Mr. Walker and we talk about the, the church, how the thing that boggles my mind is that the church was there supporting during that whole time. And we're going to come back to you. I believe we got Pastor Banks back, and so she can have her uh, her say on this. Yes, Pastor Banks, uh, we have you live. Go ahead. Yes, thanks again for taking my call this evening. I felt that there was ever a time that I need to speak to this issue. It is now. Um, all the things that have happened in this whole situation with these guys including Gary Walker, they worked together very hard trying to do something good for the country. Um, I went up there on several occasions. In fact, on Saturdays I would go up and listen to the, some of the progress they had made during the course of a week, and, and, uh, and, we, and we prayed with them and encouraged them to keep going forward or what have you. Now, uh, when, Jer- when Gary Walker made a decision that he was going to get out of, out of prison, he said one way or the other, whether the appellate court did it or not, he was going to get out. Little did we know that the, he had planned to uh, destroy, try to destroy these men's lives. But, uh, but the accusations that he made in that courtroom against me, against the church, he didn't even respect my daughter, who he was married to, uh, and his son. Uh, everybody he could throw under the bus, he threw them under the bus. Um, I know that eventually it's all going to come around because truth always wins out no matter what, no matter who tells the lies. I'm used to the lies being told from one person or another. If you speak truth, somebody's not going to like you for it. I can accept that. It goes with ministry anyway. But for somebody who had been in your family for 29 years, for you to tell the ridiculous lies that you was under some mind control, Baby, if I had the power to control somebody's mind, I would be trying to do everybody I could to get to heaven. I don't have that power. I, don't, I can't control anybody's mind. My own children that I give birth to, they are children who make decisions in their lives. Some may be good. Some may not, may not be good. I don't control anybody. And furthermore, if I controlled everybody's mind in the church over the last 35 years, We've seen many people come and go in Colorado Springs Fellowship over the years. If they wanted to mind control, how did they get out? 
You claim the reason why you got out, you went to prison, and you got your spiritual walk. This is not a spiritual walk. Spiritual walks don't involve lying on people, trying to destroy their reputation, which you'll never be able to do anyway. But all the lies that you told about me and controlling people's lives, I do my job as a pastor. Nobody has the has the power to control anybody. And least of all, I don't want to. I mean, I I I, I would say most of all, I don't want to control anybody's life. I got plenty of things on my plate already. I don't have time to run people's lives down. Could care less. Uh, the only thing I'm interested in is doing the right thing by people that I minister to, that God has called me to do. Everybody that knows Sister Rose know for sure whether they're whether they're in the church or not. That Sister Rose was fair, that she loved people, that she cared about people just like I cared about him. Uh, for him to make these ridiculous lies about me and uh, all this control stuff, and then he gets he gets psychologists uh, who have never talked to me, who have, don't know who I am. Well, any of us could go into a doctor's office, surely, and say, uh, the first thing he's going to ask you, what's wrong? Well, if you start telling him what's wrong and telling him all the things that's going wrong right now, if I want to be a liar and go into a doctor's office and tell him I got all these things going on, he's going to treat me accordingly, the same way he did this liar. And so he gets a psychologist to come in. The psychologist should talk to Sister Rose. He should have said it was the right thing to do was, okay, I take down everything you say here, but let me hear the other side of the story. Then I can make an assumption on what's, what the problem is. He did not do that. And so he, he basically just took this liar's word, and, 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 and the liar painted this picture that this is what's going on in my life, and, uh, and the psychologist says, okay, yeah, that's what this, this is mind control uh, uh, under, under too much influence. None of that stuff is true. If a psychologist had sat down with me one moment and asked me any question, I'd tell you in less than five minutes, me talking to them, they would know I'm not this person that he painted me to be. Gary Walker must pay for, uh, for what he's done. The only person that's going to do that is God. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not in our hands to go out and try to bring revenge on somebody. That's not what we're about. And for him to lie and say his life, he was scared for his life, he knows better than that. He knows in 29 years that he was in my family and this church, he couldn't give you one person that left that church that we went out to try to get them to come back or we harassed them. Most of the time when they leave, they've been problems anyway. We're not, we're not going to get them back. And we have no need to go out and arrest people. I tell people all the time, when you came in the church, the church door wasn't locked. If you want to go out, it's still not locked. Feel free to go and come as you will. And that's what people do all the time in church. It's not nothing new. So to say that he was under mind control is the biggest lie I think I've ever heard. He knows better than that. He'll never really have settled in his, his own life, trying not live this. What was never told, when Gary Walker began to turn on me in the prison, he was talking to some other inmate in there who was filling him full of garbage, and this inmate don't know me. He didn't know my daughter. He, told, he, he, he talked against my daughter, and he just sat there and ate all this poison. One night he called me on, on, on telephone, and he was crying so, until I could hardly understand what he was saying. And after a while, I said, Gary, what's wrong? And he said, I need to tell you how sorry I am for all the lies that I'm telling on you. And I said, I said Gary, I said, I forgive you. 
He said, but how do I forgive me for the lies I told on you? I know they're lies. He was so hysterical. And I said, Gary, I said, go to the Lord and pray and ask him to forgive you. He'll forgive you. And I said, you know, I don't hold things in my heart against anybody. I said, so whatever you said or done, I don't even know what it is, but I don't have a problem forgiving you. He kept crying. He said, but how do I forgive myself for telling these lies? This part has never come up in any any court or whatever, doing our growth, uh, hearing or whatever. Why didn't you tell them how I pleaded with her to forgive me for telling the lies? I didn't even know what the lies were. Then to tell the court that uh, you have to seal this now as you as you continue to progress toward con, uh, uh, continue to lie, no matter how long it has gone on, you, you just continue to follow the same pattern. I said to him, I said, Gary, I said, don't listen to the inmate in the prison talk to you against your wife and your and your and your mother-in-law. I said, you know me. This man you're talking to does not know me. He went to the chaplain's office and took up hours upon hours lying on me. And the thing I looked at, okay, if the chaplain Henderson should have said, okay, Gary Walker, I'm listening to you, but as from clergy to clergy, let me call Pastor Banks and tell her about your concerns. That would have been the proper thing to do. That's what I would have done if somebody had came to me about him. He, he, didn't do, he didn't do that. And so he continued to feed this stuff and feed it. I am shocked at all the lies. And I don't think, I know we haven't heard them all because they sealed them up because he said we will come after the people who were witnesses. There's people on that list, I don't even know who they are. And those that, that were disgruntled members, there's many reasons why, why they left the church. Either I asked them to leave or else they left on their own free will, mad and angry about something, which I could care less. I'm used to that. But at the same time, if you're going to tell them that we are danger to you, you've been out of prison in July for one year. You, we have not made one phone call to you. Not one church member has come to harass you in anything. And you know what, Gary? If you told the truth, why would you be afraid? You told so many lies, I can see why you're afraid. Because the lies are unbelievable. And they went on and on and on. But one day, we're going to get those lies unsealed. That's our goal. We will stay on it until it happens. What you said in the dark, what happened in that courtroom, what, what Judge Arguello said about me in an open court, she's never met me. She doesn't know me. Uh, why not say, well, let me talk to Pastor Banks. No, she ever never talked to me. She immediately started accepting what you said. If we have a system that only hears one side of a story, no wonder our prisons are running over today due to the fact that we're taking one side of the story. Everything that could have vindicated these guys was not even allowed in the courtroom during the trial. I never knew such a thing happened in our system. In fact, I was, I was surprised. After teaching my children to obey God, to obey the laws of the land, teaching them about the system, I truly believe that they would have never went to prison because they had enough evidence to put on the table that says, these guys are not guilty of nothing. Andrew Avarelli would have got on that stand and confirmed that to the jury. The things that they had to defend themselves never was allowed for the jury to hear it. I don't call that a fair trial. And I think Judge Aguero at least have enough integrity 
as a judge to be able to say, I can't make a conclu- I can't come to a, con- a conclusion about Pastor Banks. I don't know this woman. Uh, everything Gary said about me is so far from who I am, and he knows it. You can only live with a lie so long. Uh, more and more, that's going to come back. Thank God for a conscience. But his conscience is going to beat him to death because he knows no matter what he says, he knows all the things he said about me and the church and those guys were absolute lies, and he knows that. That's the comfort I take from it is that but all the lies you're telling in your heart, you know that's not true. You know it's not true. You know I've never went after anybody. Our church members have never pursued members who have left our church. There's no such thing. In over 30 years, you say that, that, that we're dangerous and we're coming after you? You can't find one thing filed in the courts in, in the time I've been here where some member filed a, a, a complaint that we were harassing them for leaving the church. Our church, in most cases, is better if some of them leave. If you don't believe in what we preach and teach, you shouldn't stay. There are churches all over the city you can go to that possibly is saying what you want to hear. If you didn't like it in Colorado Springs Fellowship, and I say it all the time, feel free to leave. You don't even have to call me to tell me you're leaving. That's fine with me. I don't have a problem with it. But I probably put out, I'm sure I put out uh, quite a few people over the years that were, that, that were not, uh, uh, they were not members that you could trust. They 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 were always bringing about confusion or talking behind somebody's back or doing things they shouldn't do. And then Mike Yoros, he's out there testifying against me. I, I was he was on the on the, I was down to the wire that he was getting ready to be put out anyway. He been now he's a, he was a married man. He goes down to a bank and kisses the teller. You cannot do that in Colorado Springs Fellowship and call yourself a Christian. We were, I was already told him I was going to get rid of him. I tried to give him a chance. He didn't get better. He got worse. And so all these people that came up to say something negative about Pastor Rose, every one of them know who I am. I'm, I don't, I'm not a secretive person. I talk openly all the time about my family and what have you. Everybody knows me. So the lies they're telling will not hold up. The truth, you can never destroy it. And in the long run, the truth will win out. And the truth, and the truth of what he said and done, that's gonna come. That's coming. That's coming out. You can't get around it. But I am grateful to God that everybody knows. Anybody that knows me and know Colorado Springs Fellowship know that we have never pursued any former member. And why would you have former members coming up testifying against the pastor of the church? They they left this grotto, and so. Are they supposed to say great things about me? I mean, common sense would teach us that. It should teach that to the judge. That, well, why can I believe that these are people that left? Are they going to speak well of us? No. So if you want to hear the truth about who we are and our church and our members, all you got to do is bring them into the courtroom. Give them a chance. Bring the five other guys who know they were innocent? Let them come in and speak for themselves. You are so bent on on get trying to get back at me, and I'm still trying to figure that one out because I never done nothing to you. So why 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 is this hatred so strong for me? I don't know, but I, yeah, I'm gonna let him. I don't understand why you did what you did. You didn't do anything wrong. None of those guys did anything wrong. The bottom line is, 
you let him out because it's almost a vindictive thing toward me, and I don't even know why it's there. You had the nerve to call me, me vindictive? That, that is not even a part of who I am. So I, I am thankful for the opportunity to speak to this. The lies that this boy has told is phenomenal. His parents was telling lies on our church before, right after he came there. And, and his father said, well, I, go to, I went down there to check it out to see if what I was hearing was true. These people, this is what they look for, looking for what, whatever's negative about that church. Well, I tell you what, at the end of the day, it will be proven, it has been proven, that Sister Rose is a person of integrity. She loves people. I've never wronged any person, and I never will. My job is to do the right thing by these people, preach the gospel. That's what I do. If you don't like it, you're free to come, you're free to go. People do both of them. So, and he knows that. 29 years, he knows our church has never went after anybody. He knows that. To tell such a ridiculous lie, only God can judge him for it. And I'm glad that we got a, a God in heaven that's looking down at this situation and watched him in front of a court tell lies on, on those guys and on me and on the church, God heard every word of it. And in his own time, he will take care of Gary Walker. We don't have to do anything. We just keep on doing what we're doing. We're not running anybody down. So I am thankful that you gave me this time, and I, and I think I needed to say what I've said. And people are going to believe what they want to believe. When you get on and say this is what happened, people rather believe lies than truth anyway. Uh, that's that's the nature of people. You know, tell me something bad about a person. Oh, you know what? I believe that. Tell me, tell, tell me something good about Sister Rose. You know, I don't believe that. It's the nature of people to always resort to the wrong side. That's fine. In God's own time, he'll prove it all out. And this church and this pastor is not hurt one bit. You haven't done anything. And you talk about you wish you could get in our church and talk to our members. No, you don't. You don't wish you could do that. You don't have no backbone. You couldn't stand up. You, you, you're one of the weakest people I've ever met in my life. And you want to tell our members, our members wouldn't take five, let you stand in that church five minutes to try to run down our church and our members. They're not morons. If there's a moron running around, it's you. It's not our members. So I thank you for this time to be able to speak to this, and I hope that, in, in, and I know that in God's own time, He's going to show who Gary Walker really is, and the lies He told on us will manifest itself, and the truth about who we are and what we do will be in the community. There's a lot of good things in this community about our church. A lot of good things. We have a great outreach program, reaching out to people in the homeless and what have you. So let him go ahead and tell his lies. At the end of the day, when everything settles down, you want to deal with who you are. So I thank you for this opportunity, and I hope that more people will, will listen into this program and understand the reason why he's out of prison. He lied like I've never seen it before. And God knows it, and his own time he'll take care of it. Thank you so much. And thank you. Well, there you have it. Uh, words from Pastor Banks regarding Gary Walker. Uh, uh, again, the tragedy here is a federal judge allowed it. That's the tragedy. And at the end of the day, a habeas hearing has absolutely nothing 
to do with disgruntled church members? A pastor who's pastoring a church has nothing to do with the trial you just went through in which you vehemently claim we are innocent. We did nothing wrong. Let's hear a little bit from Gary Walker on that. Well, when they ask that question, where's the money, um, we retain staffing companies who employed uh, technical professionals as uh, contract employees, and we utilize them to help us, help us build our solutions. So the techno, the, those technical employees were paid directly by the staffing company. Uh, money never went uh, to IRP solutions. So let's say over the course of uh, a year and a half, uh, we may have employed 30 or more uh, staffing employees to do various different types of work. Uh, programmers, architects, technical writers, uh, software testers, all these people employed by staffing companies who paid those people directly. So when the government asked the question, where did the money go, that's where it went. It went directly to those people who were doing the work on behalf of the company. And further to that point, many of those employees were not affiliated with the church. Uh, although we did employ people who were qualified to do technical work who we knew in the church, we went outside the church, and uh, in many cases, those people were, were never previously known by any of us. So we would give the staff and company requirements for employees. They would go out, do marketing, review resumes, present people to us. And so many of those employees were not known quantities to us before we got involved in uh, bringing them in to do this work. And it's more than a perception. That's the reality today. The government does what they want. They conduct their investigations in any manner that they see fit, and there's no accountability. Uh, one of the other things that I would like to mention is uh, – we're not bringing out any racial statements or racial issues because we want to make this a racial, uh, a completely racial environment or a ra racial situation. Correct. These are things that are pertinent to our situation that did, did occur to us. And so one of the FBI agents uh, was talking to David Banks and questioning him and asked him if a white woman who was not a member of your church applied for a job at IRP Solutions, would you hire them? And so that gives more credence to our allegations that there was misconduct here, not only fraud investigation uh, misconduct, but racially motivated statements. It shows you the mindset of some of the people who were on site and raided our building on that day. In fact, some of the um, staffing employees that I mentioned uh, previously were former employees of the government, former FBI, uh, some former NYPD, who helped us to build our software. And so we were very much aware of how law enforcement operates. And is it conceivable to believe that a company would go and create a scam to defraud staffing companies of millions of dollars and do it with, with law enforcement in their building and, and claiming to produce software for law enforcement? That certainly was not the case. Words of Gary Walker, the scam companies, that certainly was not the case. Those are his words. Nobody's making him say that. 
He said it and he explained the vision that these men had. And his last words, which stuck with me, to scam companies or to do wrong, was not the case. But you have a turnaround and you say not only the opposite, extremely the opposite. How does a judge with the experience of Judge Arguello, who heard these words in her courtroom, in closing statements by Gary Walker, in opening statements by Gary Walker, that they were innocent, and vehemently argued the case. How does a judge who presided over that proceeding come back and allow a circus environment, a slander fest against a church and its pastor conclude that those statements, Cliff, don't matter. I, I cannot wrap my hands around that. Yeah, I mean, that is the part that, that really uh, just baffles the mind because you listen to what Gary Walker said uh, during that clip right there. And it, it, he wasn't the only one saying that. I right. mean, there are several, uh, you know, judicial professionals um, who have made the same type of statements. We have, uh, you know, former judges like Judge H. Lee Surkin, uh, who has uh, taken this issue, um, you know, up and, and really, really pushing on behalf of these guys and, and has, has been there for quite some time now. And, you know, he's been baffled and asked the same type question that where is the crime in this situation? How does a judge come to this conclusion? We have former prosecutors who said the same thing. We have uh, other former judges who have asked these same questions. We have, uh, you know, the, the legal experts in Congress that we've taken this issue to that have said, where, where was the crime here in the first place? And how did a judge allow this to come before the bench to begin with? Because, and, and also professionals like Andrew Alvarelli, who's a, uh, a owner of a staffing company, who uh, said that what IRP Solutions did was industry standard on how you uh, effectively, you know, implement staff augmentation in your in your company to get a product marketed and, and put to mark, uh, put out to to sell. And so you have all of these professionals that are saying this, and this was the information that Gary had when he made those statements that we just heard. So it's not like, you know, just off the top of his head, he's saying, well, hey, you know, uh, maybe I just feel that way because it's me. No, he wasn't the only one. Many professionals had the same uh, things to say, felt the same way. People who did their research, Judge H. Lee Sarakin, when he did his research, on this situation, he told us, I was on the phone with him when he said, you know, send me everything that you have. If I find out that anything that you're telling me is not true, then I won't deal with this situation. That was over three years ago. And he has continued to be on board because he sees that there has been a egregious miscarriage of justice. So the issue is that how did judge Arguello allow this to come back before her in court saying this is a habeas corpus uh, situation when there was no new information uh, as far as evidence and there was no constitutional change. That is the question that needs to be answered. Well, no, absolutely right. And, and Pastor Banks uh, made it very clear. You don't stay somewhere 29 years. No. If there's an issue. No, you don't. You do not remain. If it doesn't take 29 years to say all of a sudden, What's going on? 
she mentioned Michael Yaros, uh, who's been in the church for years. And I heard with my own ears him defend Pastor Banks, the church, from lies over the years. He told me personally, this is something that at the end of the day, as she states very clearly, uh, simply will be taken care of. And again, not by me. We will do what we do as advocates for justice. It is our job. It is our responsibility to call out injustice wherever we find it. We find it here among those that chose to go on a witch hunt, a slander fest against a pastor because they simply didn't want to follow protocol, if you will, of the church rules. And if you don't like it, it happens whether it's a church, a corporation, uh, any organization, you don't like it, that gives you free liberty to go get another job at another company. That's right. Gives you free liberty to go to another church. It is your decision. It is your right. Why don't we leave it there? And then, like she said, you know, the the – the doors are not locked. You're not locked in. You can go and come and go as you please. That's your choice. You know, and, and but if I can just say something real quick here. The thing, you know, I'm kind of like, like Cliff, when you look at this, I remember watching Gary in the courtroom. I remember seeing church members there supporting him, supporting his family, supporting. And, and all of us were there with an understanding. I mean, we knew this was wrong and it is wrong. It was a, they were wrongfully convicted, and the judge had to see all this. The judge saw him examine, you know, questioning the witnesses. He was putting on his defense. He was defending himself and the guy, saying we did not do anything wrong. What we were doing was to build software that was to help our country. I was one of the guys that helped work on it. I talked to Gary about history. He shared with me. From the, that the software evolved And so when you sit here And you listen to this And the lies that he told To get out of this and, and how the judge let this take place Let this circus take place it's, a, it's, it's amazing Because you, you, it's just like you telling me Someone walking up to you And punching you And then they come back and they say You know what I didn't mean to hit you it was almost it's almost that kind of kind of shock and awe because your your intentions when you watched Gary there was a level of you were impressed he was he was he was defending the guys and the church members were there sitting there you know encouraging the judge had to see this and now to let this lie go it's just it's it's amazing to me. Oh, absolutely right. And we're going to get, folks, we're going to get more into this. A comment really quick. And this is what people don't want to hear. To all those that feel like, and to Judge Arguello, to uh, Patrice Collins, who have basically uh, verbally assaulted Pastor Banks. Some news for you. Cecilia Ross writes this. I went to this church tonight. I had an awesome time. I was greeted as soon as I entered the doors. I was constantly hugged and acknowledged. I felt warm and excited. The church is definitely a high spirit praise church. And the preacher was very down to earth. Great message. 
She went straight to the point. I rushed home to share with my son. Hopefully, he will join me and come with me before I return back to Texas. I just want to say awesome job on making people feel welcome. Judge Aguero, put that in your book of information. Patrice Collins, write that down in your next brief. Pastor Rose Banks making a difference in a community for the last 35 years, regardless of what you say. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio dealing with misconduct of a federal judge and an officer of the court and beyond. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today. One eight five 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 two nine. 4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Because I'm 16, I can't drive at night. Because I'm 16, I can't work past 10 o'clock on a school night. Because I'm 16, I can't get a cell phone contract without my parents. Because I'm 16, I can't get a flu shot without my mother's consent. At 16, I'm not old enough to watch an R-rated movie alone. Because I'm 16, I can't buy a lottery ticket. I can't vote. I can't drink. I can't smoke. I can't join the military. Because I'm 16, I can't sit on a jury, but I can be tried as an adult. I can get a lifetime criminal record. If I get arrested, my parents don't have to be notified. Because I'm 16, my mother had to sign this consent form so that I could participate in this video. But I can go to an adult prison. But I can go to Rikers Island. But I can be sent to Attica. My name is Michael Corriero. I was a judge for 28 years in the criminal courts of the state of New York. New York is one of only two states in the entire nation that automatically tries children as young as 16 as adults. We need to change that. Last week, my father sent me to my room. Next week, a judge could sentence me to an adult prison. We need to judge children as children. It's time to raise the age of criminal responsibility in New York. Sergeant Michelle Garcia served meritoriously in Iraq and has the medals to prove it. Soon after leaving the Navy, Lieutenant Chris Scott found a job, a home, and started a family of his own. Corpsman Richard Stokely took the skills he learned in Vietnam and put them to good use as a paramedic. But soon after leaving the military, each of these veterans fell on hard times and faced homelessness. Even after Michelle lost all her savings, 
even after Chris wasn't able to pay his mortgage, and even after Richard battled alcoholism for years, they each reached out for help when they needed it most. A simple phone call put them in touch with a trained professional from the Department of Veterans Affairs. That call got Michelle a place to stay until she could afford one of her own, put Chris in touch with employment assistance, and found Richard a substance abuse program. These veterans are success stories not only for how they were able to help others while serving their country, but for how they were able to let others help them. If you know of or are a veteran in need, make the call. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dolphin. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dude Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to one out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are one out of three. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. I think an appellate court would do one of two things. They'd either order that the transcript be produced uh, or they'd have to reverse you know, it would baffles me as to why anyone would deny that motion. Uh, it's inconceivable to me that a judge would say, no, you can't have the record of this trial. It's inconceivable to me in this day and age in the federal court, particularly in Colorado, by the way, which I think has sort of advanced when it comes to computers, that they don't have an alternate way uh, to maintain the, the record. And, uh, the fact that the court reporter doesn't have it or hasn't typed it up, um, as everybody says, is inconceivable. So there's, this record exists somewhere, uh, yes. and, and for some reason, the, they're resisting producing it, uh, I think, is a fair inference. And that's why that particular segment of the testimony of the transcript is so important, because if, if that weren't the contention and there's something missing, Appellate court is liable to say, well, unless there's some prejudicial error involved, what difference does it make? But this is so critical that that's why they want it, and that's what the big fuss is about, and legitimately so.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio as we address the IRP-5, formerly known as the IRP-6, David Banks, Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, and Clinton Stewart have been sitting in prison going on six years. The highest level of injustice is that an innocent man sit behind bars. And why? Because a judge failed to uphold the Constitution of the United States. She morally failed to do the right thing and became blinded by her own prejudice towards Pastor Banks for whatever reason. And really there is none. And to target a church, they make a statement, Patrice Collins states in her statement and her response that on June 28, 2017, the district court held a resentencing hearing. During the resentencing, the district court made findings about actions taken against Walker, another lie, by Pastor Banks and the Colorado Springs Fellowship members after he renounced his allegiance to her and her church. The district court found as follows that Walker's questioning of the morality of the conduct undertaken by him and his co-defendants caused Pastor Banks to put him out of the church and to cut him off from everyone associated with the Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Now, let's, let's deal with this lie. Judge Arguello is guilty by her ruling and finding of guilt and upholding a jury conviction that was clearly wrong. Judges have the power to overturn a conviction of a jury, to set aside a conviction of a jury. But that cannot happen in this case because it was in line with what Judge Arguello wanted from the very beginning. The question I have, which is so mind-boggling to me, is that Gary Walker received visits for a long period of time from his family, from church members. The only thing that took him from his family had nothing to do with Pastor Banks. It was Judge Arguello. And the conduct of this judge that rendered a guilty verdict as a result of her failure to do her job. So I say to you, Judge Arguello, and to Patrice Collins, Judge Arguello is to blame here. It's simple. Those are the facts. And one point we want to mention now, Just Cause had the opportunity to present these issues to members of Congress. And I'll tell you what, a group of congressmen sent a letter to the Department of Justice inquiring and asking that an investigation start immediately into this issue with this judge, as well as the untimely release of Gary Walker. That what prompted this, and to the point that habeas is hardly ever granted, ever, it is overwhelming, compelling evidence of violations of the Constitution, overwhelming evidence of new material, new evidence. That was not the case. The judge granted it anyway. And the group of the group of lawyers, I mean, excuse me, the group of uh, congressmen, 
has sent that over to the Department of Justice, asking questions about the conduct of this judge as a result of a just cause taking this on Capitol Hill and making it plain of what exactly has been going on. Uh, We also, through meeting with members of Congress, uh, a pool of lawyers who work with members of Congress um, said they found Cliff no evidence of anything. And this is, again, they wanted to know why uh, Judge Arguello and the prosecution of the state or the governor of the United States, uh, Cliff Matthew Kirsch, you got a whole pool of people here in those positions. And, and Cliff, you can talk to, uh, to that, whereas you have Judge Aguero, but then you have a, the state, the governor of the United States that sits back. And, and Matthew Kirsch made it clear that Gary Walker was an educated man, an intelligent man, mm-hmm. that this defense, if this was the case that you felt, that Pastor Banks had done this or done that. Is there a reason that wasn't brought up at trial? Is there a reason that argument wasn't made? That, wait a minute, this is the deal. And, and you know, the, the thing is, every, this is what they call the, you know, quote unquote, the devil made me do it argument. And from judicial, um, you know, professionals that we've talked to, they said that at some point, you know, people who spend time in prison, they get to this point where they're like, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm making a, a last ditch effort. It wasn't my fault, the crime that I committed. And in this situation with Gary Walker, there is no crime like we laid out before, like Judge Sarakin, um said in his statements. But this is this is the defense that most defendants come up with, and it is. I mean, a judge never buys it because you cannot blame what you did on someone else. And, and in this situation with Gary Walker, there is nothing to blame on anyone. It's just like you said earlier, Lamont, that he is trying to, uh, you know, any way to get out of prison. And, and like uh, Pastor Banks said when she was on earlier, that he said that, you know, no matter what comes back with the appeal, He's getting out one way or another, and but he took the coward's route out. And, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier about the uh, group of congressmen that came together that uh, sent a letter to the DOJ. We have a copy of that letter uh, that was, uh, you know, started by Congressman Danny Davis. And in his letter, he's reaching out to the Office of Professional Responsibility at DOJ. And, and for those of you who don't know, to get Congress to write a letter about any situation. And it did, Cliff, go to the assistant attorney general, my understanding, or the chief counsel of the attorney general, from what I understand. Right, right. right. And, I mean, it was sent, it was sent to the acting assistant attorney, attorney general, uh, also the acting U.S. attorney in Colorado. Right. You know, several people were CC'd on this letter to say, hey, members of Congress are looking into what is going here. And, and the... Uh, and Congressman Davis starts with saying, as lawmakers, we take complaints of pro- uh, prosecutorial misconduct very seriously and want to ensure that all Americans are treated fairly in criminal proceedings when life or liberty uh, is at stake. We have recently been in contact with individuals concerned about a tent- uh, potential abusive practices in the District of Colorado 
uh, you know, he gives the case number and all those things. And he goes on to say, we're particularly interested in the circumstances surrounding the sudden release of the CEO of the IRP six of a six man conspiracy who, after being in prison for five years, claimed he was not guilty and committed the alleged offense and fired his attorney only because he was under the duress of Pastor Rose Banks, his mother-in-law. Now, when Congress is starting to ask how, how and why did this court proceeding take place and why did the judge allow it to happen? And also, why is it that the prosecutor and, and uh, Congressman Dave, uh, Davis says uh, in, in subtext, that he wanted to understand why the CEO selective release from prison was permissible, if it was permissible under U.S. sentencing laws, and why the prosecutor, after arguing in his brief against the CEO's release, failed to appeal. Other allegations of misconduct include whether, one, the prosecutors and FBI agents presented false or misleading information to grand jury to obtain an indictment, and two, prosecutors misused the Colorado grand jury uh, in investigating the case as a subterfuge to secretly investigate and prosecute Pastor Banks. These are issues that Congress is taking up with the judge with this trial. So this is not just us as a just call saying, hey, what's going on? When Congress is starting to query the DOJ and the Office of Professional Responsibility of the United States, these are the type of these are the reasons that we say we can't be quiet about it. If if Congress is speaking out, then why can't we as an advocacy group continue to push and press that these issues get taken care of? And Congress is saying, how is it that the judge came to this conclusion? How is it that these things were allowed to happen and that questions didn't come up? On how Judge Arguello allowed this to happen uh, in her court. Though these are the type of issues that we have to take up, and that's why we commend Congressman Davis for, uh, you know, basically stepping out to to ensure that this got to the Office of Professional Responsibility and uh, other offices in in DOJ. No, absolutely right. And those are, I mean, look, when we're not listen, the members of Congress, we got. Let me let me be very clear. Uh, some on the Intelligent Committee, uh, Oversight and Reform Committee, members of the, Judi- of the Judiciary Committee, uh, who's, who's part of that letter. Make no mistake about it. Some of these folks are tendered folks in Congress. These are not people that just got there. These are people that said, look, they have the experience. They know something is wrong here. They're not submitting a letter unless there's a question of conduct. And one point we want to make here, another thing which, which Gary Walker made the point, that Pastor Banks made him CEO uh, of IRP Solutions. Let me make it clear that folks don't under, maybe you don't understand who Pastor Banks is. Pastor Banks is 73 years of age. She's been around a minute, and I'll tell you what. Uh, she she can know the she doesn't know the first thing about a computer organization, a software company building software. She wouldn't even know how to appoint a CEO or qualifications that makes him qualified as a CEO. And secondly, Gary Walker makes it very clear. I am the CEO. And the thing is, I mean, not to cut you off, Lamont, but I work at IRP Solutions. I know who was up there 
I know who sat in the uh, in the executive on the executive side of the uh, of the of the building, who had the office of the CEO, who ran the meetings, who set up uh, you know basically here's our here's our business plan, here's our processes and procedures. I know that he was the architect of the of the uh, Silk software of the systems how it how it worked that he along with the other developers you know that he pre- he pushed the architecture of the software you he is the one who looked down at 911 looked in the hole in the ground from ground zero and said you know what my dream is that something like this never happens again on american soil so for him to say somebody made him the ceo I mean, he he was working on this software for years before it was uh, before it came to full fruition. So that issue, I mean, I mean that that's almost laughable if it if it wasn't it so disgusting. Laughable. Well, let's hear from Gary Walker one more time on his convincing and look, listen, what you hear from Gary Walker now, what we're playing for you, is true. Yeah, let's hear it. We'll be right back to address that cliff and follow up on that point. Well, uh, the letters IRP stand for Investigative Resource Planning, and uh, the company is about uh, providing software solutions for law enforcement. Uh, the, the solutions really do focus in on investigative case management and support of other investigative uh, and enforcement operations. This software uh, really is revolutionary for law enforcement organizations and agencies. Our key differentiator from other software uh, for law enforcement is the fact that we focus in on the processes of each individual uh, law enforcement agency. So our software is adaptive. Uh, We can bring it into an agency. It will adapt to their processes and workflows rather than the agency having to adjust their work habit to the software. And this has been very Uh, enlightening uh, for us. Uh, I I would say most uh, citizens are in the same position we were at before this started. You you would think that uh, the judiciary is out for a search for justice, a search for the truth. But uh, what we're finding is that once the government makes an assertion, an allegation, then they are hell-bent on getting a conviction and at times ignoring uh, evidence that should be able to exonerate a person. I have a degree, a uh, Bachelor of Science degree in computer science. I have over 25 years of experience in uh, All right, there you have it, Gary Walker. And to, uh, to go against what, again, the lies that have been told, let me make this very clear. David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Clinton Stewart. Equally, without each other, the job couldn't get done. And William, you said you actually had an opportunity to work on some of this stuff. I'll tell you what, this is a team thing. And I think that's why the lies are so disheartening. Gary Walker was one piece of that puzzle. Uh, the vision was a, was a vision of six. And that vision was carried out uh, by, the, by these six guys, Cliff. And, and without each other. And without working together, this does not exist. That needs to be made very clear. Yeah, absolutely. And and you you saw what they did together 
uh, as a as a company, as uh, IT professionals that work together to bring the software fr- to fruition, you saw that you know even in the in the fight during the court proceedings that they all made the same statement that no, our our goal was to develop, market, and sell a product and a product that would help out America. And the big deal is that the goal was too big. For one person. That's right. Alone. That's right. There's Absolutely. no way you're talking about stopping terrorist acts on a nation, on a planet. Too big for one person. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, t- it took six plus William and Cliff, the people that were brought in to help cultivate this thing. That's right. That's that is why the staffing companies were implemented, because as the system began to grow, as we got new requirements that said, hey, we need more people to help to bring this to where it needs to be. And, and that's why Department of Homeland Security said, hey, you know, what you guys have now, it, it looks great. We want to give us a quote on what it would take to stand this up, on what it would take to do these two modules. That's why NYPD said, you know, now what all of you have come together and worked on and brought to fruition, this is the best software we've ever seen to address case management. Well, then you got David Banks. In works in talks with with Philadelphia. Is that correct? The, right. Yeah. yeah. With the the uh, the city of Philadelphia and talking to the mayor about you guys have a, a need. We as a group as IRP Solutions, we can meet that need. And uh, right. I mean, for for those who don't know, then the the prosecutor uh, Matthew Kirsch came in and interfered with commerce. I mean, this this before the indictment. Uh, David is in in uh, Philadelphia. He's he's talking to the IT professionals. He's talking to the uh, the mayor's office, and they're saying, "Hey, you guys have exactly what we need." And uh, the prosecutor comes in and says, "No, you don't want to do business with these people." These are the type of acts that are are being done from uh, from DOJ, and why the members of Congress are saying, "Hey, what did you guys do here to this company? These people had something great." That was going to help the the country, and you went in and told a city not to do business with them. Well, and that is the issue. And again, it, it, it they say it uh, is it, it takes a village. Yes, yes it village. takes a village. village. This was a village of people. That you got David Banks in Philadelphia. You got Demetrius Harper over here working this end. You got Clint Stewart working this end. You got Kendrick Barnes doing uh, and none of it criminal and and none of it no absolutely not and the thing about it was when you were when you were there you know as we were there it was a beautiful thing to see you saw you saw the team working together to produce that everybody was under this dream and it it did it took a lot of people to get this thing up and going but the impact of what the software had what it was doing and again you know it was right after 9-11 when people started they knew they said listen these agencies were not collaborating. Why? Why are they not even just simply picking up the phone, sharing information? And here was software sitting right here. That's why it had such an overwhelming impact. When agencies saw it, they wanted it. They said, we want what you have right now. We want this right now as it stands. We understand it's not, it may not be uh, – it may lack some enhancements that you want to do it. But right now it will work for us. Well, these are men that need to be – uh, definitely in our society, contributing to the economy of the United States of America. Yes. And they have an offer, uh, not an offer, excuse me, they have a product uh, 
that can keep the homeland safe. And we're still in the same situation we were right after 9-11 as a country. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that, that is it's, it's really uh, mind-boggling. We keep making that statement, uh, and it's something that needs to be addressed. There are people that have come out. They've talked about uh, – they've commented on the – on this judge, the conduct of this judge, uh, all the way down to the uh, uh, the appellate court, uh, Cliff, I believe, uh, began to, uh, as far as cases were concerned regarding uh, uh, Christine Arguello, uh, that uh, uh, there was some there was some things there. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, William, you're seeing a pattern here with this judge. Uh, you go back, you look at certain things that actually people that were brought before her court uh, with less uh, with, with worse type of accusations that were given less time. And, and people have talked about the sentencing, have they not, right. about that this was just outrageous, no prior record, right. nothing that remotely uh, would that warrant was, such, 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 you know, such sentencing. And that's true. I mean, these guys had no prior record. Uh, they stood. They stood there in the courtrooms, defended themselves and defended themselves exceptionally well. And for them to be, you know, sent, for her to sentence them from, I believe, seven to eleven years, you know, based on their role in the organization was uh, was unheard of. And uh, and you know, she had. Uh, it was mentioned by Demetrius Harper that she she had a you know a god complex. You know, your life is in my hands. And Demetrius, you know, stood up and said, No, he said my life is in God's hands. And, uh, you know, so someone that sits on the bench that, that boasts in such an arrogant way that your life is in oh. my hands. I mean, who, who says that and supposed to be supposed to be seeing this case as well, fair and, as in, and impartial? Well, we understand that's not the case uh, here. The facts back that up. Gwen, um, and this is, ladies and gentlemen, the attorney, uh, Ms. Ms. Gwen Lawson, uh, uh, that has been here from the beginning – has suffered uh, really true, in my opinion, abuse uh, by the hands of the system in which she went to college to be a part of uh, and got her degree uh, to be part of a system hoping to make a difference. And Gwen, I'll tell you what, give me your thoughts, uh, your closing thoughts on um, basically your feelings after all of these things have happened. What are they? Um, After the complaints and so forth that have gone forth, I just want to um, one point that I want to um, point out is that I strongly resent the fact that um, I, I went to college, you know, to to be an attorney, and then uh, the judge Arguello and uh, Patricia Collins are stating that I had an allegiance to my pastor in in order to make decisions as an attorney and a professional. Um, pastor Banks, um, I, I passed the bar. Uh, I went to the same, you know. To the same um, educational benefits as to become an attorney, and I didn't, um, you know, I when I consult with Pastor Banks is dealing with my faith and my religion, but and nothing whatsoever to do with uh, her directing me in any of my cases. I've been an attorney for 12 years. I'm 56 years old. I do know what I need to do in order to uh, make professional decisions in my legal profession and career. Oh, absolutely right. And uh, as you bring up Patrice uh, Collins, she makes the statement that Walker's isolation came at a heavy price and that Walker lost his wife, his son, and his entire social network. Let me make it clear. 
Mr. Walker lost his wife and his son and his son because he betrayed a trust. And he betrayed his wife. And you lied about it. That's right. You want to blame Pastor Bank because you decided to play the coward? Sir, you are responsible. We all know this. We are responsible for our own actions. You made a decision when you said, I'm leaving prison one way or the other, and no matter the cost. So how dare you put that on anybody but yourself? Your wife is a free agent to decide whether she wants to stay with a traitor and a liar. I think my understanding of marriage is that people want to trust one another. People want to believe that you're, you're true to your vows that you made. And I'm sorry, Mr. Walker, 29 years you were married to your wife. Your son now, 25 years of age, you're the one to blame. Yeah, you forfeited. He forfeited. Let's that, be clear. Yeah, I mean, that's, that you have to take responsibility for yourself. You threw it away. You threw it away, and, and that's the bottom line. We're coming right back, folks. This is AJC Radio. I, we got a lot to cover. We'll have to come back. Misconduct. Injustice anywhere. Excuse me. Is injustice everywhere. There's no isolation of injustice. If I'm injustice to one, I'm injustice to all. We continue to raise the banner for justice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size. This wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the U.S. began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders. 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus, it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. 
The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely, there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America. A lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Back, ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio addressing an issue tonight that has to be addressed as we as an organization, as the American people, as people as a whole, we, we would like to believe that our criminal justice system is without flaw. In a perfect world, there would be no wrongful convictions. There would be no misconduct from the bench. There would be true justice. Tonight we roll back, if you will, or take the mask off of a federal judge and in part a prosecution. Let, let's be very clear. The government of the United States is equally as complicit in this injustice as Judge Arguello. They went about to talk to the defense's witnesses, which is a totally against protocol. Just as the defense cannot talk to the state's witnesses, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that would be witness tampering. And if anybody did that, if I was in a case and went to the prosecution's witness, made a phone call, I would be arrested. How does a judge or a prosecutor, a judge allow it, number one, and a prosecutor Matthew Kirsch, get away with that. How does an individual obstruct justice in the serving of a subpoena 
interfere with that action and not get locked up. The conduct that we talk about consistently here with this judge, with this prosecutor, or the, the state, this US, uh, assistant U.S. attorney, it dashes the belief that justice is present. And I'll tell you what, through this situation, it's going to take a long time. I don't know how you believe again. And I don't know how, how people don't see the detrimental effect of that. And our courtrooms have become political, have become personal bias arenas. And what's the cost? Five innocent men. And here's the, here's the kicker. Gary Walker is innocent it's true. of the charges that the government of the United States brought against him. That doesn't change because he has become a liar. And he has stated untruths. Gary Walker was innocent. David Banks, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Dave Zappolo, innocent. Our position has not changed. But we have an obligation to not remain silent. To not stand back and let injustice stand. And to those tonight that have heard this program, all you've heard tonight was truth. You heard Gary Walker vehemently maintaining his innocence. Vehemently arguing truth. And a judge to sit on a bench and observe all of it. To come back and do the the abuse of power from the bench that she has demonstrated and to attack a pastor of 35 years in this community is a disgrace to the, to, to the bench in which you sit. And to Patrice Collins, a disgrace. Call it what it is. It's a disgrace. To a pastor you have never met, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't think that would we wouldn't think that was fair in any situation. Well, have have you met the person? Mm-hmm. Have you talked to him? The court affords you the right to confront your accusers, but the RP five were never allowed to come into a habeas proceeding. You know why? It wasn't a habeas proceeding. They knew that these men of integrity would not go along with this circus show. They were deliberately not allowed into those proceedings. But Gary Walker was allowed to bring their names up and, and speak for them unjust at every turn. And Gwen, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Um, any closing remarks you'd like to say to our listeners uh, Well, I just truly appreciate you allowing me to be here and being able to state that the attorney regulation um, thoroughly investigated my case and it was dismissed because there was no merits on the allegations that were made by Judge Arguello. And that's good to know. And we thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. We salute your service and your public service 
uh, your work for this system. We have to have some good attorneys here somewhere. We appreciate your integrity for standing up to the call and uh, fighting back against injustice. We appreciate that. Thank you again. All right. And uh, Cliff, a lot of information we've covered tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts as we get close to closing this out? I think the, uh, I guess the takeaway from this situation, um, it, it really begs the question how a judge allows this to happen. Um, how a judge allows these type of situations to happen in our courtroom, speaking of Judge Christine Arguello, um, how when a habeas corpus is supposed to be uh, a relief for someone wrongfully convicted, but under under the proper uh, you know, venue of law. And, and those venues are, uh, you know, brand new evidence that wasn't available during the trial and a constitutional change, which neither of these things uh, happen in, in um, Gary Walker's case. And the reason why Congress is now querying Department of Justice on how is it that these things happen and a judge allowed it to happen and come before her and bought into the uh, the scam, basically, that Gary Walker put on. So I think the 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 biggest takeaway is, uh, you know, we have to hold our judges accountable. They're put on the bench. They are given a lifetime appointment. And we as the public are their checks and balances. If we don't report their uh, wrongdoing, their unfair practices, then no one else will. And uh, I believe it was stated, because Congress, excuse me, uh, federal judge Arguello made the statement that, um, Pastor Banks' actions were not Christian. Uh, this is not something to add to your notebook, Judge. Patrice, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Gina Marie writes, it was awesome and so very much appreciated. Attended a function where Colorado Springs Fellowship Church Pastor Banks fed the entire police department in Colorado Springs. Cliff, uh, a big, huge... Uh, 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 a lot of food taken down to say we appreciate the officers. I, I'm, I'm wondering if this is Christian Judge Aguayo. Uh fed the entire police department, not only them, the sheriff's department, Colorado Springs Fellowship, Pastor Banks, reached out to them to say, look, we, we believe and appreciate what you are doing to keep us safe. Amber, Amber Henderson writes, ever since I started attending Colorado Springs Fellowship, my life has been absolutely amazing. Never did I think I would be going to a church four times a week. I, I would believe that sounds Christian, Judge. You've opined on the religious practices of this pastor in this church, Cliff. And that's just to name a very small amount of what, the, what happens in this community by this pastor and by this church. Exactly. And that is why the Constitution calls for separation of church and state, because I... I um, a member of the judicial society, a judge, a congressman, nobody has the right to uh, question the practices unless they're illegal of, uh, of what goes on in a church. That is why there's a separation to keep these type of actions out of court. And there you have it, folks. We will be back. Part two is coming probably within a week because there's too much to cover. Tonight, we say to Gary Walker, Shame on you for what you have done. But justice ultimately will prevail. This is AJC Radio saying to America and to everyone listening, good night.
and we'll see you next time. Take care. I had seen reference that there was this Fifth Amendment violation. And of course, and it sounds like that missing chunk of transcript would help us decide the issue. Uh, you know, the, the, what's so shocking to me is that the role, my take on it, and Judge, I'm interested to hear if you disagree, but the, the, the role of the, of the judge and of what I would call the entire operating system of the, of the court is to ensure that justice is administered fairly. And if you will, it's it's the judge, the court reporter, the the the, the bailiff, the the clerks. They're there not to advocate for one side or another, but to make sure that the work product that is produced is fair. There's enough about the system that, at least from the defendant's point of view, smacks of unfairness uh, as they go through the process. And I, I see these kinds of issues surface all the time. And so the the one objective uh, piece of evidence which is the transcript, uh, for that to be missing only would feed concerns and conspiracy theorists alike. And frankly, uh, that's a very disconcerting notion that it's this one critical piece above all other pieces that would be missing. I, I think I think there's a reasonable inference that can be drawn there that, that that the missing piece would therefore be favorable to the defense, or at least that's what I'd be up there arguing.